Welcome to the Veritas Equipping Podcast, a podcast designed to provide insight, resources, and biblical wisdom. Our mission as Veritas Church is raise up mature disciples, send out everyday missionaries, glorify God. Join us as we pursue Jesus to become mature disciples and effective disciple makers for God's glory. Veritas, welcome to our equipping podcast. We have a special episode for you where we're going to try to answer some of your questions on Christianity and politics. Uh, Sam sent out an email to a lot of people in connection groups to say, send us your questions uh, when it comes to this issue of Christianity and politics, and we're going to try to sit down and answer those. Uh, And we're going to do that now, and we're joined with some special guests for this episode. We're excited to have Jeff Dodge and Mark Arendt from Iowa City join us. How's it going, guys? Good. Going Good to well. be here. We'll see you at the end of this. <laughs> Before we dive into the topic, like what's new? What's going on in Iowa City? What could you share with our people that you're excited? Mike, Michael Rhodes is with us as well. He's Thanks, like, Jake. I appreciate that. <laughs> Basically, we had to call in the big guns in yeah, order to answer these questions. He's like, these, all these questions scare us. How can we get somebody to... <laughs> You know, help us do this. But well, Michael's not a special guest. He's a special normal person. Aww. I'm a special person. Is that <laughs> what you call it? <laughs> a special regular. So what's new in Iowa City? Well, Jeff just got back from Zambia. I did. We were able to open uh, a clinic way out in the bush for some very, very underserved people in a place called Kabansa Village. So some of our doctors and nurses from... Uh, Veritas Iowa City were able to go along and mm. cooperate with the Zambian Ministry of Health and doctors and nurses and a pretty incredible trip. So yeah, just That's back. Awesome. I got to ask, did you see any spitting cobras this time? I did not. And I was looking for them because <laughs> at one point uh, we were doing baptisms and we had to go even deeper into the bush just to find enough water. It's a dry season. Find enough water to do baptisms. And so there's one little little basic kind of pool of water there. And I'm thinking... Well, every other animal is also looking for this water. <laughs> what am I going to find? Uh, Jeff, so. every time that you talk about Zambia, Jake immediately talks about spitting oh. cobras. That's all he thinks about. Because I like Jeff invited me to go with him, so and I I want to do it, but in the back of my mind, it's like, but there's spitting cobras, and there, there are. That's just. But if you have to like check for spitting cobras before baptisms, that's legit. And that's, crocodiles. Yeah, yeah. That People is, worried about cold yeah. water here. Yeah. I, <laughs> I do want to go so bad, but in all honesty, and yeah, I think of the spitting cobras. I don't do snakes. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't do mm-hmm. that. But I, I get so excited when I hear about your guys' trips over there. And yeah, we need to get you there. We're yeah. also uh, going through James. You guys are as well. Yeah. Been, how's that been for you guys? I love the slow pace. Mm-hmm. I don't, oh. Michael. Do you like? Oh, you know, totally. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Having two verses more than like three chapters. It's it's been so sweet. good. Yep. Yeah. How have your people? Do you feel like you're getting good? Like they like city. James is a, it'll hit you in the face. Mm-hmm. It's oh yeah, yeah. I thought every week it's been it's been good. I, I think it's good for people to not hear a ton of text. I mean, just keep it simple. Yeah, I, I love the just the practical nature of it has been really good for for our yeah for me personally. Uh, and for our people. So it's been great. And he's bold, right? I mean, like even at the end of chapter one where he's like, don't fool yourself. You know I mean? Just very Uh, in your face, understanding that we have absolutely the tendency to fool ourselves, mm -hmm. deceive ourselves about these things. And so to, to have God's word being the ones very, you know, being very provocative Mm -hmm. saying you need to wake up. You might be intoxicated by some of these lies and, so I just I think people are really responding to that very straightforward eyeball to eyeball confrontation with the word. Well, it's been great. And Mark, you got a book that just came out. I mean, that's a big deal. Tell us about that. It's I'm a very big you, deal, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say you were a big deal. I said it's a big deal. But yeah. I mean, you are no, a best-selling author now. So. Yeah. I, I sent a, a text message to Mark the day, maybe the day it came out, and I was like, just prayed for you. Pray that you would that you would recognize that you're not a big deal. Yeah, no, it's good. It, it, you know what's what's cool, Jake, is the what the whole book is about the danger of success and the pressure that we all feel to be amazing, to be special, like Michael. You know, the, the special regular guy is 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 to be to be set apart, is to be noticed and mm-hmm. attention to get attention and 
And that's where we find significance. It's, and so for me personally, to have to apply the message of the book, you know, I'm getting texts from people like, it's a number one bestseller in like religious, I don't know, <laughs> faith or whatever uh, on Amazon. And, and uh, it must not be very hard to get to the top of those categories. But, but it, was, it was good for me because in my heart, I feel like this week, the Lord was like, hey, this past week is a test. How much are you? How often are you going to get on Amazon and see how it's doing? How are you going to see mm. royalties? Yeah. You know what? what where, where is that at? And and uh, and just to wrestle with the Lord and just say, you know, I don't, I don't care. Mm. And to personally have to say, no, I'm not going to look at that stuff. It's not. I'm not a big deal. This is not a big yeah. deal. But but Jesus is. And how do you? You know, because because we we know people in our circles that write books, and it's everything they're talking about. And hey, if you read my book, and get it in the hands of the right people, and be on every podcast, and uh, try to try to promote yourself. Like yeah. that's how you make a run if you're mm-hmm. an author and doing stuff. But but I think for me, it's just the joy has been getting personal text messages from from people, and some here in Veritas Cedar yeah. Rapids that, that text me and hey sharing something that encouraged them or um, that, that to me is what we're just local church pastors and we want to encourage the people we know with the the thing. So that's been the joy of it. Yeah. The the book is called the advantage of average and knowing you, Mark, there's no better person to write that. (laughs) (laughs) Having worked with him now for a long time, I can attest. He is very average. I didn't know how to take it because he's like, yeah, I got this another idea for a book called The Average Dad. I think, Jake, could you help me write this? I don't know how to take that. But. Well, you, you, you said you were going to take The Average Dad bod chapter. <laughs> I think I, that was your, your response. I, I'm actually really excited about that because I've started that one and getting uh. kind of laying it out. And I can see which chapters Jake will write. And the first chapter of The Average Dad book right now is the average dad is a man and and like your sacred gender sure. talks really impacted me mm-hmm. and even this weekend at the marriage veritas iowa city marriage conference uh you're speaking and and i just can't wait to hear that it's just so needed this call to what is the life of a of a faithful humble servant-hearted mm-hmm. dad yeah. and so anyway i i i've well yeah. and that said too i mean mark's book it's just fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I, I really, I got to say, um, it is true, Mark. It is winsome and truthful, all wrapped up together. Mm. And uh, I could not <laughs> recommend it more. And uh, we'll keep him yeah. average, well, but yeah. it's a fantastic re- book. So, for sure. I recently read, I can't remember the reference. It was a proverb about letting other people sing your praises. more than, mm. And it just... It's a tremendous book. It's a needed message. Needed. I, I haven't read it cover to cover, but it was a part of the process when we get away and like hear you read the chapters. And I was like, yeah. this, the church needs to hear mm-hmm. this. It's a powerful message. Um, so I'm Jake, looking we, forward we, to it. One, one guy was in staff meeting where uh, he said, man, best part of your book was that, that paragraph that Jake wrote. <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh, that's that's awesome. That's so encouraging. Man. Thanks for that. So, so, Jake, apparently your paragraph was the best part of my book. And then Shot someone, right to the first bestseller. Yeah. And then someone texted me yesterday, an old friend, Stan Hayek. We were on staff together, and and uh, he, he took a picture of the last page of the book, which is Jeff Dodge. It's his speech that he always yeah. gave. And, and he just said, man, I'm, he texted both of us, thinking about you guys and just crying, you know, tears of joy, thinking about, you know, our ministry together. And, but so Jeff's paragraph made somebody cry and your paragraph was the best. So anyway, that's, I don't know. What does that come to with royalties? Is that stand in line? Uh, well church, we actually have Mark's book in our resource center. So would highly recommend, uh, you check it out and, uh, yeah, it would be a blessing to you. It's a needed needed thing for the so church. So before Mark thinks he's actually a big deal, if we talk about this more, we should talk about politics. Let's do it. <laughs> let's let's get into actually what this podcast is about. This is a we've never done this before. So we sent out questions. Um, it's we're entering into a political. Well, we're always in a political world, but elections are coming up. Um, so it's about to get real. Um, 
So Sam had a great idea. Like, let's send out some questions to people in small groups and let's try to answer those. Now, you guys made an observation about the questions that you were looking at. Oh, what, what did you? Yeah, we were talking on the way up and going through the questions. And, and I said, Jeff, if if these questions are any indication of the heart of Veritas Cedar Rapids and the people listening to this podcast, like, they get it. Man. We, we have nothing to add. These questions are so just reflect maturity, mat- right? Yeah. Yeah. You'd love to sit down with any one of these and uh, explore these things because they're asking the right questions. And yeah, the questions alone display a level of spiritual maturity that I hope you guys are encouraged when you yeah. see those, those questions. All right, well, let's dive into it. First question. I'm going to try to some of there's some overlap of questions, but I'm going to read the ones that we got. Um, so you can know that we we're addressing the questions you sent in. The first one is what are some key principles to follow as Christians in politics? I would just I would just start by asking the question because how should a Christian think about politics or key principles of politics? So the first thing you have to do when you're having a in a discussion like this is define your terms. What is politics? Mm. So when we talk about politics, we throw that word around. What is it? Well, uh, one guy defined it as it's it's the art of gaining power to exert a certain agenda. I always heard it was like poly, mini, ticks, blood sucking, insects. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's deeper than that, huh? <laughs> it, yeah, it's it's all about it's about humans getting power to exert it over other people. Now that's that's not a that's amoral. That's not good or bad. It's just the you know, it's, and it's needed. Romans thirteen about the the. Government doesn't, Caesar doesn't wield the sword in vain. So, so it's needed, but that's what politics is. So we have to be aware of, of it. So the nature of it is how do you get power? How do you exert power? So how do we think about that? I was thinking, you know, the Bible, Jesus talked about politics all the time. He, he talked about politics more than any other thing, but he said things like, my kingdom, my political realm is not of this world. And you see that when he's interacting with, in John 19, uh, with Pilate, when he says, Pilate says, well, don't you realize I have the power to free you or to crucify you? And he says, well, that power was given to you from above. So how Jesus interacts with power, every time he talks about the kingdom, he's talking about politics. Mm -hmm. So how do Christians think about politics? Well, we have a lot that we think about politics. We think as kingdom people. You know, Philippians, Paul says, our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a savior from there. So I think that we we should start by saying, how do Christians think about politics or uh, some key principles? Well, I think the one key principle is when we start talking about politics, we should get homesick. Mm-hmm. The first thing we should think is, oh, come, Lord Jesus. We <laughs> eagerly await a savior from there are the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. So, yeah. And while we're here, we know exactly what Jesus talking points are. I mean, the first sermon he gave was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know? Mm -hmm. So, so the church, our position is to call people to repentance, prepare them for the coming kingdom, introduce the, the good news of the gospel through repentance and forgiveness. And that, that should be our, Key politic, yeah. but this is a, but this is where where it, so you start there, but then you realize uh, like Augustine's mm-hmm. you know city of God. We yeah. do find ourselves in this city yep. of man, as it were. Yep. And how do those kingdoms interact? So this is a very yeah, that's really uh, good. I've never important. thought of that way. The issue of politics should make Christians homesick. That's a good way to think about it. What do you think, Michael? Yeah, I mean, I think our ultimate highest allegiance got to be King Jesus, not our political world. I mean, that's that's basic. There, always choose kingdom over nation, um, choose theology over an ideology, um, and then ultimately, like, just like you're to be an ambassador for Jesus, not just a politician for Jesus. Like you're to represent Jesus, but you can do that in the political realm. 
for sure. But like, man, go represent Jesus, not just some political ideology, um, but you can absolutely be an ambassador for Jesus in the political spectrum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think on a practical level for Christians engaged in politics, I'd say be biblically informed. Mm-hmm. Um, know what God's word teaches so it shapes how you see the issues of the day. And then be biblically shaped. Uh, don't forget to be kind and patient and gentle in your responses and engagement in that, that we would just be Christians in that arena. Uh, next question, do you, I need to follow slash care about politics as a Christian? <laughs> I love this question. Do I need to care about this? Uh, wh- how would you respond to that? I think this gets overplayed a little bit with, I've heard pastors and different people say, um, if you're a Christian and you're taking your faith seriously, this, you have to vote. And this, you know, and then usually it's, if they don't say it, it's implied vote for these candidates or whatever. I don't know if I agree with that. Mm-mm. Do you think there's a level of like when Jesus was approached or tried to be trapped with that question about paying taxes and he's like, give me a coin, mm-hmm. you know, give to Caesar what Caesar and God's with. Was that a little bit of like, why are, why are we talking about this? Mm-hmm. Like there are big, you need to have a broader, bigger perspective of life than just the political issues that are overwhelming you. You think that's a fair? Yeah. And I mean, as Christians in America, we have a rare opportunity to actually engage in our leadership. Most Christians throughout history and even today don't have a voting booth. <laughs> they, yeah. don't, they don't have. So I think that we need to just be grateful that we can exert any kind of influence on our political system, but, but don't let that become inverted. And all of a sudden we think that, uh, you know, we're primarily citizens of this earth instead of, yeah, we can, sometimes we can shame people that maybe aren't up on all right. the latest. Yeah. yeah. I'm not saying, cause I think yeah, people died so we could have the right to vote and freedom and those, those things. That's one of the great, yeah, uh, advantages of being American. Obviously, yeah. that voting is important, but but to to shame people that you know the person that asked this question, I would say, I don't I don't know if you should feel guilty about it, the right behind the questions. Do I need to care about politics? Well, care how much? Mm, I, I think good, a lot yeah. of people have a tendency to push their passions, their good passions, on other people. Of you know, if, if whether it's adoption and foster care, racial reconciliation, justice yeah. for the poor, whatever the issue may be, all good issues. But if it's their kind of particular passion, they want to see that passion meet mm-hmm. met by every other Christian. And if you don't meet that passion, then you're not being a faithful, good Christian. But I, I'm, I think we should look at the body of Christ more broadly. And I'm thankful for guys like Al Mohler or other Christians that have a... Yeah a public voice of politics from a Christian perspective. But that doesn't mean every pastor needs to take that on that ministry. I I think of looking at Jesus and John the Baptist. John the Baptist called out a political leader for their immorality, and uh, and Jesus didn't. Mm -hmm. And they were contemporaries. So, and they both spoke, spoke well of each other. So it's like, hey, that's kind of John's ministry and he's doing that. This is my ministry. I'm doing that. And I think we shouldn't impose uh, that on everybody, but be thankful for the voices in the body of Christ that, that are speaking that way. Yeah. You mentioned being informed. I would say be informed, but don't like overindulge in it. Don't mm-hmm. idolize it. Um, cause then that's when like, you're just chasing after the sensational, whatever's happening on Fox News or CNN. And you're, like, you're just, you're diving all in. And you're like, what? Are, what are you living for? What, mm. Like, what are you trying to represent here? So, yeah, be informed, but you don't have to, like, give everything to it. I've seen more of a danger for people being all in on politics than people being the, probably the person that asked this question. Yeah. I, I've seen more. The, the minute I was off of social media for five years and then got on to say, hey, just so you know, I wrote a book and then got back off. But I had to get back on my accounts and figure out passwords. And I got on <laughs> last night. I was just like, oh, I wonder what's on here. I It's like I got swept into a tsunami of <laughs> information and flooded and almost uh, drowned last night yeah. in social media. So I, I just think that that's... That's almost more. I, I love. I love your distinction, Jake. We'll care how much. Yeah, 
Uh, next question. If God is sovereign over kingdoms and rulers, a reference Daniel 4, should we, which there's a lot more references to God's sovereignty over kingdoms and rulers, but should we get so wrapped up in promoting slash following candidates? This is where I was thinking about, I, I grew up in the, the age of the Christian right and moral majority. And that, that was, you know, late seventies, early eighties, you know, kind of in that time. And I, I know that, that, that still exists to an extent, but I think, uh, you know, I was our church, uh, we on, you know, life, what is it? Uh, pro-life Sunday or, Sanctity, uh, of, sanctity life. of life Sunday. And, and that's, that's, that's a great thing to talk about at our churches, but we were, you know, they, they mobilized us, got buses and our youth group and we had abortion kills children signs. And we lined up with all the other, you know, churches, you know, Catholic Protestant in Omaha and made a cross going down 72nd street and Dodge, you know, and thousands of people. And that's the church was mobilized to more political action. There was more, uh, going to abortion centers early Saturday mornings and stuff like that. Uh, so, so I just think that that behind this question is, you know, um, how do we should we get so wrapped up in promoting fallen candidates? I think one of the tensions that I feel is, what do you mean by we? It, because here we are speaking on a podcast. In one sense, we represent the body of Christ. We're, we're pastors of our churches, right? But then we're also individual citizens. So what, what is the we here? Is it Veritas Cedar Rapids or is it Jake Each, Mark Aaron, you know, Michael Rosa? It, it, so so what do you, should we get so wrapped up in promote? Do you, do you take that as the church? Um, the church or do you talk about this per individual, individual asking? Yeah, yeah so that's I, good. Yeah. Anyone who's talking we? about when he's talking, he or she is asking about specific candidates, boy, be. Be uh, a little careful what you ask for because, you know, we were talking about on the way here that for the longest time, speaking of the the pro-life movement, I mean, I've been to the national pro-life movement, I've been very involved at times in my life. Um, well, the whole point was to see Roe versus Wade, you know, upturned, upended, and we got that. And so, oh, my, huge victory. And it was a huge victory. We Many people fought very hard for that. I was just reading just last night in the newspaper that – abortions since that time have actually gone up, mm -hmm. not down. And so what we realized, church, is the battle is for people's consciences. They, people need to be born again. They need to be transformed in their thinking. And so sometimes we, if we get this candidate or we get whatever, and we'll certainly see this massive change go around culturally, well, I think this has been a good example for us. Of course, we still should fight for the most vulnerable, the pre-born, but that individual candidate that might deliver this or that at the end of the day, that's probably yeah. not going to be the, I, the overall solution. Right. right. I think the, the one part of this question I would push into is the phrase wrapped up. Like that just kind of communicates in a tangling, like, no, we shouldn't get wrapped up in a distracted type of overwhelmed way. And to your point, Jeff, I think just better understanding how to, real change happens. It doesn't come from the top down. If you pass a law, you get a politician in office. It comes from the grass movements of the gospel spreading mm -hmm. and God changing human hearts. Um, so so, so the, yeah, so the simple answer is, if God is sovereign, should we get so wrapped up in promoting fault? The answer is no. But if God is sovereign, let me ask this in a way that I think, you know, maybe it's intent. If God is sovereign over kingdoms, should I promote or follow a candidate? So take out the mm. so wrapped up mm. in and personalize it to you. I think that's similar to saying, if God is sovereign over kingdoms and rulers, should I get this cancer treatment? Like, sure. Uh, should I take chemotherapy? Like, well, I don't know. That's your choice. <laughs> sure. God is sovereign. And if you want to support a candidate, that aligns with your Christian worldview and you're excited about and passionate about, then yes, I think you, you should promote and follow them like yeah. so, as a, as a part of a democracy. So from a practical standpoint, like as a pastor, if somebody in our church says like, Hey, are you okay? Or 
would you advocate for or against a Christian putting up a sign in their yard to support a certain political candidate? How would you answer that? It's so interesting because I just faced that this past week. Hmm. I had the thought, oh man, I'm never, I I would never put up a sign for a candidate personally because, you know, I'm a pastor and I'm like, I don't want to be aligned, you know, with a, with a candidate. And then someone asked me, hey, so-and-so is running for the school board. (laughs) Would you put up a sign that very week? And actually I was like, yeah, I will. And uh, because I know about this candidate, I understand at a local level, to me, that's where there is more of a, I can have more of a personal impact at, at the at the national level, this isn't me personally talking mm-hmm. now. Just, just for me. But we won't put one up in front of Veritas Church. No, you know what I mean. No, that, that's, that's great. That's the difference totally. as individual right. citizens. Right. So I, I had to face that. So I personally sure. uh, answered that question with, "Sure, this local candidate, because it, it, the school board, I think, has huge impact, right? On and our the kids, the freedom. Yes, uh, promote Christian values, promote godly." principles and laws and candidates that don't get wrapped up. I would point back to the first part of the question about God's sovereignty. So if your candidate doesn't win, you should still be full of peace. Mm-hmm. Um, God is still mm-hmm. on his throne. Um, so that's where I'd say like, no, don't get wrapped up in it in a negative way. Here's the next question. This is similar. Uh, if I'm just not that into politics, is it a God given responsibility to acknowledge, uh, to be knowledgeable you need glasses, Jack. I, I do. I'm like holding this. <laughs> out, out. What if I'm just not that into politics? Is it a God-given responsibility to be knowledgeable about candidates and issues, or do I have the freedom to focus on the other important priorities I've been given in this season? That's, a, that's that, such that a jelly hard sentence, Jake. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'll be your translator. Holding the paper for I do need new new context. <laughs> That's such a telling question, though. Like, do I even have the freedom to focus on other important priorities I've been given in this season? That's mm-hmm. speaking to some pressure somebody's feeling. Yeah, I was going to say let's. That, that's a pretty quick one. Yeah. Yes, you should feel yes. the freedom. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Absolute freedom. All right, let, let me give reading another shot here. Uh, how do you suggest we call out our Christian brothers and sisters who are outspoken about politics, who show people they're a Republican or Democrat rather than showing they're a Christian? Do that. Do that. <laughs> no, no. Seriously, if you're if you are a, a Christian in relationship with a brother or sister in Christ who is imbalanced in any way, or or falling into a ditch that is distracting from the gospel, distracting from Christ, yeah. we do what the church does. We talk to each other about that. So yeah, and, and going to Matthew eighteen, how should you do it? Go one on one. Don't do don't, it on social media. Yeah, yeah. don't yeah. take don't shots. Don't comment. On their social media post. Right. Don't get three other friends to talk about it. Go talk to them first. Go talk to them. Have a brother-to-brother conversation. But doesn't there need to be uh, somebody else to give the other side of it? Obviously, playing devil's advocate right here. Like, on on social media. If you... Oh, on social media. Yeah, like... Again, I'm not for you commenting on social media. Because I think some people would say, like... Oh, well, they've put all this stuff about a certain candidate. Everybody else looking at their social media post needs to see the other side of it. And I'm going to be the one to show them the other side. It, Does that make social, sense what I'm yeah. saying? Has social media become the public square? And there needs to be a voice because it's like, well, hundreds of people read this. Do I need to enter in to kind of bring a balanced? I mean, arguments never go well on social media, but there is a sense of that is the public square. Is there a need so, for voices there? Let me know how that works out for you. Yeah, yeah. but I would say uh, you did add. A, you, I noticed you added. They're a Republican. The, we we try to Democrat. be. We try to be fair and balanced. You try to be yeah, fair and balanced here. So, but so for the person, the reason I think that's important is the person asking this question is assuming that the one that needs to be rebuked is the Republican, outspoken Republican. And I think it's it goes both ways, and especially during, you know, COVID and you know, uh, the George Floyd and Black Lives Matter, all all the things. Uh, you know, we we saw this on every side. I mean, so so for the person asking this, I think their assumption is we need to pull people back from maybe 
careening off into the far right. And so maybe that's a that's a fair uh, looking at our tribe and the tendencies. Mm-hmm. And there are people going off into all ditches, but yeah. but probably in our group. So so how would you, you you see someone pulling into your church with the American flag waving and a, a MAGA well, flag? Like what? I think the how do you? I'll get to that one. I would say the best way to avoid social media arguments is just to avoid social media. Be relational. So. That, but how do I, you know, that comes into the church with the MAGA flag or kind of the same way I would somebody coming into our church with the gay pride flag. I don't know if that's the first issue I'm going to talk with them about. Um, I want to lay a foundation of who God is, who they are, the gospel, and we'll get to that. Is this somebody who's claiming to be a Christian? That might change the first conversation. Or are they somebody who's just come to church. I, I've noticed the person that comes in with a pride flag might get more compassion than That's the person yeah. that comes in with the MAGA who, flag. Who was it recently? They Not recently. It was kind of more in the thick of the drama. Like Christians would give... There was a, there was a, a well-known Christian that was invited to speak at um, more of a liberal organization. And they said, hey, you can come. You can share whatever you want. We just want you to come. And they're saying, okay, I'll come preach the gospel. And they were kind of showed grace, like, way to go. And the question was, would that person have been shown the same amount of grace if they were invited to, like, a Proud Boys event? And they said, hey, you can come. You can share whatever you want. Um, or would they have been, like, how could, you, how could you dare do that? So that's a good point. Do we have a grace that's big enough for both ditches? But I, I do think this is a, such an important question because I think it goes back to the, the last one where it's like, is it a responsibility to know about the, the, issue, the, the issues? I would say it's important that we understand the ideas of our day and what is the thinking that, that is that is capturing people's minds and hearts. And I do see right now politics as religion. Mm. It's becoming more of a religious belief. And that's where I say, and it's happening on both sides because I see this. um, My kids, you know, got into wrestling and which we got into UFC and watching and and then starting to get into this culture and realizing there is the, kind of the the push toward the like critical theory and a push to the left and and uh the LGBTQ kind of revolution and there's this there that's a whole ideology that the great podcast on uh Kevin DeYoung's with Neil Shenvey um, mm. and the co-author of of a book that just came out off the uh find that for you um but they talk about this ideology as a new religion and starting to think of this as a false religion. Mm-hmm. Like we used to, you know, talk about Jehovah's witness, Mormonism, Islam. He, they're saying, put it in that category. Cause, cause a lot of Christians will be like with critical theory and some of the stuff, Hey, you know, eat the meat, spit the, spit out the bones. He's like, you wouldn't say that with Islam. Like mm-hmm. I'm really getting into Islam and just, yeah. just chew the meat, spit out the bones. It's like, it's, no, it's like it's like a religion. It's a it's a it's a whole worldview of how you see the world. And so, I guess with both of these questions, I would just say you should understand the the thoughts and pretensions that set themselves up against Christ. Mm-hmm. And if you see a brother or sister getting pulled into that, you, you should, if you have an, based on the nature of your relationship with that person have a conversation just as you would if someone started promoting uh, like Muslim ideology yeah. and, and you would be so concerned for that brother or sister. So I, I would put it in that category. And I think it's a, a serious thing on either side because, because yeah. the, the reaction of the right, I, I started talking about wrestling, UFC code, all this stuff is, is there's a, there's a push toward listening to Andrew Tate and okay. If, if an I'm reaction, and uh, yeah, it's like if, if I'm not welcomed there and I'm a young white male now, I'm going all into masculinity. Yeah. And, and that becomes a whole dangerous ideology of toxic masculinity. So so that's where I would say you could see a brother, sister going into that yeah. as well. That's a good word. 
Next question. Uh, as Christians, how do our morals and values inform politics in our lives? I've been reading a biography on Bonhoeffer. Way to go. That's a great biography. It states, he didn't shrink from political commentary, and from the beginning, he never felt that many others felt what many others felt, that somehow politics was not related to Christian faith. Would you comment on that? I mean, Bonhoeffer lived in some unique times and was outspoken. And actually did shape and form throughout the years, right? Because it, it, he was living parallel to the rise of fascism, Nazi, Nazism. And so his he, he had a growing awareness of what was going on and a, a different response as things you know, new facts kept coming mm-hmm. in and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I think you have to lock him into, I mean, I have huge respect for Bonhoeffer and a couple different biographies that are fantastic on him. But understand he was in a unique moment, right, of of Nazism and the Holocaust and, and et cetera, and had to go from a more pacifistic kind of approach to uh, very much an activism kind of an approach. And, uh, well, but you have to lock him in. Is, yeah. is there a similarity between the state Lutheran Church of Bonhoeffer's day and the and the current kind of move of the mm. mainstream church to be affirming mm. and his kind of departure of that with the confessing church? Is that are we like the parallel of the confessing church? Yeah. In Je- that, my question to you, Jeff, then is he lived certainly lived in unique times. What would you say to the person that says, and we're living in unique times, what should be the role of the preacher to address more social sins and um, mm-hmm. like kind of the Old Testament prophets that really spoke to the the government? I was thinking people. of if we were those people getting the letter from Birmingham jail and yeah. our names were on that letter back in the 60s from Martin yeah. Luther King Jr., how, mm-hmm. do we have a, a responsibility in that moment to to speak out from the pulpit. That's because t- we've said we don't want to like chase news cycles, and it's like there's something every week we could address. But the other ditch is you never speak into the things our people are hearing and wrestling with. I, I wrestle with this. How- well, I think even Bonhoeffer might be mischaracterized if we imagine him becoming embroiled in politics. He he really I mean, it was during that same period of time that he wrote The Cost of Discipleship, right? He was he was seeking to purify the church, keep the gospel central, mm-hmm. to raise up Christ centered disciples far more. That's where he was expending his mm-hmm. energy, even if it meant hiding the church and a seminary, you know, away from the public eye yeah. so that the church could be strengthened. Raising up pastors kind of secretly. Raising up pastors know. constantly. So so I don't want us to mischaracterize him as being this activist political guy. Um, primarily he was trying to purify the church. And so that should be, I think that should be our, wasn't as pastors. If you're what? asking what we should be doing yeah. as pastors, you know, we should be raising up leaders and disciples within how, the church. How do you guys well, decide what you address from the pulpit and what you don't when it comes to social issues or things going on in the world. I think it's important to address it at a at the worldview level and not just the let's get out and rock the vote level is is confronting the the ideas cuz I, I think that's the you know take every thought captive you know every thought that presents itself every pretension every idea that sets itself up against the lordship of Christ. Second Corinthians ten four is is I think that that's that's where we address it is at the idea level, at the lie level. What yeah. is the deception? What is the truth? Cause, yeah, because I would even say when I read that question as Christians, how do our morals and values inform politics in our lives? I would say step further back, like how does our biblical worldview, including the gospel, inform our morals, which informs you know. So we're at, we're pastors, not political scientists, political experts. Like, so we're going to point you back to Jesus. We're not going to be able to answer all the nuances of every political thing. And so on, especially on a Sunday morning when we're preaching the text, like, man, I want to give you like, this is the gospel. This is the word. This is what Jesus is communicating to us. Now we can use these times to get into some nuances on podcasts yeah. and articles and some of those kind of things. Um, and I know that annoys people because like, oh, here's the platform where everybody's sitting listening to you. And I'm like, if that's the platform, I want to promote Jesus. Yeah, mm-hmm. first, uh, first importance. And that's one of the things we've tried to do of 
what we're doing right now. We're doing a podcast on politics. We put books and resource centers. We'll do articles, but that Sunday morning, um, not that we went ever, but we really it's, try to stay. It's guarded. also, I would say, to the person who asks this, they're reading the biography of Bonhoeffer. Isn't one of his hallmarks situational ethics? Mm-hmm. The idea that his it's not moral relativism, but it's that he's in a particular situation, and even the plot to assassinate Hitler, how he got to that point, uh, and, and I'm speaking beyond things I understand, but but I do think it's important to understand that that the Holocaust happening in your backyard that was a very, that was a situa- that was a unique situation, and it, and today is also a unique situation in a different way. Maybe that's why I put the yard sign up because yeah. I feel like I want to protect our children at school. Sure. You know, there's a different thing that's happening, but, but I, I would just, to this person, I would, I would say that's your, your cultural moment is yeah. unique. Next question. Do you talk to your kids about who you are voting for? Why or why not? Do you Jake? I do. I think that's part of raising kids. I don't want them to not know what we thought and why we thought it. So we try to have open conversations of, what candidate do you like? Why do you like him? What What are your concerns? So it's just another opportunity to parent your kids. Currently, I would say we have little kids, so I'm like, I'm like, they don't have a clue. There's again back to the nuance and like, and then I've got you know one that you know he's preteen. He thinks he knows everything right now. So if I go in and say like, this is who we vote for, it might fly in such a different direction. We talk about biblical principles often and so he can probably discern and figure out who we voted for but we haven't told him yet now i'm not saying that's an absolute for us forever just in the stage and the maturity of our kids currently we have not done that well i mean the way that you walk your kids through everything (laughs) jesus informs every every aspect of life so uh, yeah clearly christians should not leave that part of life politics to what they're hearing on the playground or in the high school cafeteria or whatever. Certainly parents should be the ones being the primary source of of wisdom in that. So I don't think parents should have as nuanced of a conversation as we're having right now. Oh, right. right. Because we're talking in a public forum. I believe in the principle of subsidiarity that the best person to raise a child is a mom and a dad the best decision making subsides at the lowest possible level, yeah. and and it comes down to the family unit. So as parents, you, I, yeah, absolutely, yeah. talk to your kids about who you're voting for and why, and that's an easier conversation than this mm-hmm. on a podcast where it's 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 a different context. Yeah. Okay. The last two questions definitely hit the news cycle. What people are hearing and, and feeling right now. Here's the question. What is the biblical view of war and self-defense? Should I work for a company that makes military equipment, some lethal? You guys know uh, Collins here in Cedar Rapids is a big employer. Should I defend my house from an intruder with lethal force? When is lethal force justified? Should Christians support Ukraine and Israel's defense and retaliation, for example? So there is a lot of questions. You think, there. Yeah. You think there's a lot Here, there? <laughs> I think there's overlap. I'm going to read the second question. We can kind of talk about them as well. Is it permissible to have tension between two feelings regarding Israel and Hamas conflict? On one hand, I want justice for people who were murdered, and I know governments wield the sword and have a vocation to carry out God's judgment. On the other hand, I know that I... I am to show forgiveness like Christ showed me and that Jesus is big enough savior to cover the sins of people committing acts of terror. So let's speak into that Israel Hamas conflict. How should Christians maybe feel about that? And then the issue of like just war, self-defense. So we, we spent time in Israel and the, the, that area. I, uh, Jeff and I went, um, back in, well, 2000, I think it was late nineties, 2000. And, uh, we spent time in, in the Gaza strip. I did. And uh, we visited refugee camps where people still had the keys to their homes in Israel when they were taken out in 1947, 48. And so, yeah, we saw the Palestinian. We got to talk to a a terrorist, you know, sat down and had tea with him. And he quoted the Quran. I mean, it was it was just an amazing experience to see and experience the Palestinian side of it. And then we got over to the Israel side and the missionaries are talking about Israel has a divine right to be here. And, you know, it was just that you can see 
the tension, the conflict, uh, walking into our hotel and it says, shows a picture of Jerusalem and the Dome of the Rock on the Gaza side. And in this Gaza hotel, it says, uh, uh, Jerusalem founded by Jebusite Canaanites over 5,000 years ago. It's them saying, this is our land. And so you see the conflict. It's, it's biblical. That's why it's harder than just the Ukraine war. Uh, that, that how do we think about Israel and, and future of Israel, all, all those things. Uh, and so I, I just think that the, that we all feel the tension of this question that, that yes, Romans 13, that, that the government does, does not bear the sword in vain so that Israel has the right to defend its borders and its right to exist. Right. And also, you can have compassion and, and pray for the Palestinian people. Pray for Hamas. Pray for your enemy. Love your enemies. Pray for them. Do good to them. So we should pray for Hamas. We should pray for the Israelis. We should pray for the, Isra- the government of Israel, First Timothy 2, that, 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 that God will give them wisdom, that people can live peaceful. All those things can be true. It, there's maybe when you get into some eschatology, it gets more complicated, but on a, a simple way, I think we look at this as this like Muslims versus Jewish people. And we have to remember that the people of God are people who have put their faith in the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And there are those people on both sides of that border that are in the midst of this conflict. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it should be the Christian's impulse to always be grateful when bad guys are pushed down and, you know, innocent people are rescued, <laughs> you know, I mean, at, at the end, we just got done going through the book of revelation, not so many months ago, right? At the end of the day, Jesus comes back, crushes all of evil, rescues his people. So that impulse to, to want to, you know, see right being done, justice being done. So it's okay. Yes, of course you want tyrants to be crushed. You, you want, evil oppressors to be pushed back. So that's, that's okay. In all of these situations though, they're complex, right? We're not at the end and we don't have the, the high King, uh, making these judgments. So like Mark is saying, I think to have compassion on, especially the Christians involved on both sides of those, because there are Christian Palestinians, Christian Jews, right? I mean, uh, it, it becomes very complex when you get beyond just the politics of it all. How about the, the question about working for a company that makes weapons lethal weapons well could you be a silversmith helping make swords for caesar i mean and paul seems to think that's you know that's a that's a good thing that that caesar has a sword to keep Mm The passions yeah. of the people. Well, all of us and with that our was tax a, dollars yeah. are paying for the weapons. Yeah. Being <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so we're all contributing at some level. You know, yeah. it goes back to the freedom thing, right? Like, right. What, if you have a personal conviction that you shouldn't do that, you shouldn't do it. Then, then you shouldn't do it, right? But you have the freedom to do that. Mm-hmm. All right. How about the next one? Should you defend your house, your family from an intruder? It's, Lethally. It's, it's interesting. My uh, a friend of mine, Bob Thune Jr., got in a debate with John Piper over this topic. And and Piper more of a I I don't know if I would say pacifist on it but but basically trust God you know don't don't use a weapon to defend yourself and uh, Bob Thune Jr. was saying but you having the right to defend yourself is an extension of the sword of Caesar the government has Set. deputized you in a yeah. sense and set, gave you a little badge saying. You can defend your property. And so he was saying it is an application, uh, the concealed carry. You know, it's it's an application of Romans 13 in a lawful context. So I I personally am on that side of of the issue. I can understand uh, what Piper's saying as well. So I can sympathize with that. But I'm saying I I do think, yeah, you've been given that right. Yeah, there doesn't seem to be anything that prohibits self defense in the scriptures. Like, but you shouldn't be like super quick to it. Like, oh, I See, can't that, wait to do this. No, right? no. Obviously, the disposition of your heart should not be like I'm always can't wait till somebody breaks into my house. I mean, we don't like all life is valuable. I wrestle with once you when you kind of I talked to a police officer friend of mine. the The law is even if somebody breaks into your house to steal things, like. You kind of have to prove if you're going to use lethal force that you you felt like you were in 
death threatened your own life. I'm always in the tension of like, just like in football, the best defense is a good offense. I don't know how long I want to wait around to find out how friendly you are when you're <laughs> robbing me in the middle of the night. Uh, so I think it puts people in a difficult situation because um, it's like, I'm not looking for a fight. You broke into my house. I'm not going to ask questions for, you could feel that tense of like, all right, I have to defend my family. I have to protect my home. But you can drift into a heart of like, I don't want to hurt somebody. You shouldn't rejoice Mm -hmm. in. uh, And we should, and we should also celebrate those who do choose to not show lethal force. In other Mm -hmm. words, Mm -hmm. I mean, Corey Ten Boom, right? The reason we're still reading her works is because that's what her family did. They just resisted lethal force and not to mention (laughs) Jesus Christ, (laughs) (laughs) right? (laughs) Who allowed himself to be killed. So I'm just saying like, we have total freedom. I'm I'm with Mark exactly. I I would defend my family, but I want to champion the yeah. freedom that people have to say no. Actually, I I won't take up arms, and I'll let. Trump we have to out. work through this at a church level with safety team, and yeah. right. would you? If there's uh, a shooter stop, in our yeah, service, or, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and so you're motivated by protection, right? Not right, right. You talked punishment. about that in your sacred gender talk yeah. on you know the impulse. Of the man to protect. Yeah. Uh, the the question about biblical view of war. I mean, I don't know. That's just war theory is probably beyond the scope of this. You think? You think it might be <laughs> the, <laughs> the last over two time. minutes of yeah. this? But uh, like, church, I I love these questions. And like Mark and Jeff said in the beginning, it shows that you're thinking, you're, you're wrestling with good things. Continue to go to God's word more than any kind of talking voice on a news uh, show. Uh, to be led and shaped by the Bible, and then into community, like sp- wrestle with these questions with other brothers and sisters in Christ, with the motivation to honor God in, in all that you do. And just reading the questions that you wrote just made me appreciate our church all the more. Mm-hmm. Hopefully this podcast was helpful. I'm sure uh, things weren't just solved in a simple answer because they're not simple questions. Um, but when you have a heart to honor God in all that you do, and you seek after him, uh, he will he will direct your path. We really believe that. Um, but but hopefully this was helpful. We love you guys. Uh, we'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Veritas Equipping Podcast. If you have any questions you would like us to address or ideas on how we can serve you better, please reach out to us by email at info at veritaschurch.org and put podcast in the subject.